Hey there, travelers. I'm Isabella, and this is True Crime International. Today's case brings us to Greece, where a young couple, 32-year-old Babas Anagostopoulos, 19-year-old Carolyn Crouch, and their 11-month-old daughter Lydia were all fast asleep in their suburban Athens home at around 5am on May 11, 2021, when a group of four burglars approached the home. As they entered the property, the family's dog, a husky, began barking like mad outside. But the barking didn't last long, as after a minute or so, There was a high-pitched yelp, and then silence. Then, the home's security cameras were cut. Three of the four burglars went into the home through a back window, leaving the fourth outside as a lookout. They were men on a mission, and they knew exactly what they were looking for. The 10,000 euro in cash, and 20,000 euro worth of jewelry stashed away in the family's house. Creeping up the stairs... The burglars made their way into Babis and Carolyn's bedroom, where they lie sleeping with their baby beside them. The family woke up and Babis immediately tried to fight them off, only for the assailants to pull guns out on the family and start yelling at them in broken Greek. They demanded to know where the money was. Because of the financial troubles of the last decade or so, in Greece, you can't take more than €600 Euro per person out of your bank account per day. Because of this, and because of other issues with banks in the past, most people hold a certain level of distrust for financial institutions, and will generally keep an emergency fund of a few thousand in cash in their homes. Keeping cash under one's mattress is pretty much a joke in Greece at this point. However, Babis and Carolyn had extra money lying around when the men entered the property, because they had purchased their property not long before and had plans to do work on it. However, Babas and Carolyn had extra money lying around when the men entered because they had purchased their house not long before and planned to do work on the property. In the mostly cash-based society Greece is, they had extra money hidden in their home as people like contractors and repairmen will often only accept cash payments, so if the family were doing work on their property, it's not unlikely some people around the town could have known about the cash and jewels. Babis begged and pleaded with the burglars not to hurt his family, telling them exactly where they could find the money, in a monopoly box. All the while the burglars kept guns pointed at his wife and daughter. At one point, one of the assailants allegedly pushed the gun into baby Lydia's face, while her parents watched in horror. The burglars ignored Babis's pleas, and instead gagged him, blindfolded him, and tied him up before throwing him into another room, away from his family. Babis screeched against his gag to the point that he passed out from the lack of oxygen, so he couldn't hear it when his wife and daughter were taken up into the attic, where they continued to scream at Carolyn to tell them where the money was hidden. She screamed back with the same information Babis had given them and begged them not to hurt the baby. They didn't believe her, though. I mean, why would all the money be hidden in one place? Where there's 10,000 euros stashed, there's got to be another 10,000 somewhere else, right? Why would all the wealth be kept in one place? That seems silly. But the thing is, there wasn't any more. 
The men screamed and screamed at Carolyn to tell them where the rest of the money was, but there was no more money, and so there was nothing left to tell. Still not believing her, they began torturing her. The details of this torture aren't available, but while this was happening, Babas came to and struggled and struggled against his restraints until he was able to get loose enough to remove his phone from his pocket and use his nose to call the last person he had dialed, which was his neighbour, who was ultimately the person that called the police. When the police arrived, they were met with a horrifying scene. The family dog had been hung by the neck on the outside of the fence with its own collar and was swinging lifelessly. When they found Carolyn, she too was lifeless, lying on the floor of the attic with a t-shirt tied around her neck, her mouth full of cloth with tape over it. She had been smothered by the men before they left. And most heartbreakingly of all, little Lydia was sitting next to her mother's body, screaming and crying and hitting Carolyn's face with her little hand, trying to wake her up. The police had the awful job of going to Babis, untying him, and telling him that his wife was dead. Babis was absolutely destroyed. While he was grateful that he and his young daughter had lived through the ordeal, he was absolutely devastated to lose his wife. In the days after the robbery, Babis spoke to reporters while crying and wiping tears from his face, telling them that he had felt, quote, sad, that our daughter will grow up without remembering her beautiful mother, who was the joy of my life. But through her daughter... Carolyn will always be with me and with all of us. You should always look after your loved ones and enjoy your time together, unquote. He also posted a picture of him and Carolyn on their wedding day to his Instagram where he wrote in Greek, quote, together forever. Have a nice trip, my love, unquote. Which you can actually still find on his Instagram today. His Instagram is still public and active. A memorial was held on Carolyn's home island, Avalonisos, where she was buried at Hilltop Cemetery with her friends and family there to pay their respects and mourn such a huge loss in their lives. The shops and restaurants across the 25-square-mile or 64-square-kilometer island closed for the day out of respect. Carolyn's friends and family were beside themselves with grief and Babas went to his mother-in-law at the funeral and hugged her, trying to console her. The whole country felt for the grieving father and his baby, and there was national outcry to catch the men that could possibly do this to these people. The thieves had made off with the 10,000 euro in cash and the 20,000 euro worth of jewellery, and a massive manhunt ensued. Police offered a 300,000 euro reward for the capture of who they believed to be a professional group of burglars. Their first major clue was the broken Greek that they were allegedly speaking to Carolyn and Babison. Police knew that they were looking for foreigners and they began investigating an Albanian-led gang that the police had already suspected as being part of no less than a dozen other armed robberies around Athens. Police also arrested a Georgian man, and that's Georgia the country, not the state, at the Greek border with Bulgaria who was trying to flee the country with a fake passport. His name wasn't released to the public, but he already had a criminal record in Greece for the armed robbery of an elderly couple, for which he was not put in jail, which really annoyed the hell out of the Greek people. But the annoyance at the police wouldn't last long, because, despite public perception of their not doing their jobs well enough, they were looking at the case from all angles, not just the angle of burglary. I mean, when a married person dies, who is always the first suspect, the spouse. 
When police went around collecting physical evidence at the house, they noticed that the pieces from the Monopoly box where the money had been looked really strange. They were neatly placed next to the box. If a violent robbery had taken place, wouldn't they have been strewn about? Police also collected digital evidence as well, including data from the couple's phones and other smart devices. And the thing that cracked this case was the data from Babis and Carolyn's smartwatches. If Babis had been locked and tied up somewhere in the house for hours as he claimed, then why did his smartwatch show him walking all over the house the entire night? And if Carolyn died sometime around 5.36am based on the timeline Babis himself gave, then how is it possible that her smartwatch showed her heart rate increase from 48 BPM to 61 BPM very suddenly at 4.05 a.m., only to then completely stop at 4.11 a.m. And if it had been the burglars, then how is it possible that the security cameras had been disabled hours before Carolyn's heart rate stopped? It just doesn't add up. 38 days after the murder, police went to Babis and confronted him with the evidence they'd found, that he was lying to them, and they promptly arrested him. Now, I'll get to what happened in a bit, but in order for the next part of the story to make more sense and for you to have the full picture, we need to learn more about Carolyn and Babis. So, Carolyn was born on July 12, 2001, to a British father and a Filipino mother at a private hospital in Athens. She held both British and Greek citizenship and she was just two years old when the family moved to Alonisos. She was a high achiever at school and a lover of physical activity, finding great enjoyment in kayaking and dance, and at the time of her death, she was hoping to go to culinary school. In pretty much every article I read in researching this, they said that Carolyn was 20 years old, but that's misreporting because she was 19 when she died. If she was born in July 2001 and died in May 2021, that makes her 19 at the time of death, not 20. I don't know why they said she was 20 when the most basic math ever shows that she was 19, but I'll talk about this more in a bit. Babis was born with a very Greek name that's difficult for me to say, so I'm sorry if I get it wrong. Charlambos Anagostopoulos in either 1987 or 88, but his birthday is actually not publicly available, so we're not entirely sure. He was born and raised in Greece, and at the time of this recording, honestly, not much is known about his early life, at least not publicly known, but he grew up to be a helicopter pilot, and he loves his job very much, and according to his friends, Babis is a nice, normal guy, and they never heard of any of his ex-girlfriend's complain about his behavior, though I don't know why they would. To be honest, I don't I don't hear from my friends' exes complaining about them. Like, why would I talk to my friends' exes? I, I don't know. Carolyn and Babis met in 2013 when Babis was 25 and Carolyn was 13. She was just barely in secondary school and he was in the midst of getting his pilot's license. According to reports, they met through mutual friends, but Like, what 25-year-old has mutual friends 
with 13 year olds. I'm 25. I'm 25 right now. And I cannot imagine that. No, thank you. That is fucking creepy. I, I, to be fair, I met a 13 year old yesterday and, but it was the child of the daughter of a friend of my parents. Like it's like, I, that's the only way I should be meeting 13 year olds. That's the only way any 25 year old should be meeting 13 year olds. Like that's just creepy. Oh, I don't like it. They didn't start dating right away, which good. But they began dating two years later when Babis was 27 and Carolyn was 15. Ugh. I know the age of consent in Greece is 15, but I still don't know why people seem to think that this was in any way okay. Oh my god. It's so creepy. A 27-year-old dating a 15-year-old. Like, it, it wasn't technically illegal, but just morally speaking seems wrong it it like especially since he met her when he was when she was 13 it just feels like grooming to me i don't like it i didn't i also didn't read a single article about their relationship where people who knew the couple thought it was creepy like a 12 year age gap is not inherently bad i don't i don't want to make it seem like i'm against age gaps in general I wouldn't bat an eye if she were 30 and he were 42. In fact, my favorite couple on 90 Day Fiance the other way, and don't judge me, okay? I, It's not even a guilty pleasure. I openly enjoy 90 Day Fiance the other way. Anyway, my favorite couple from that show has a 26-year age gap, and it's fine. I don't think it's creepy. They met, one of them was is in his 50s, but does not look it. He looks amazing. And the other one, he's, he's in his 30s, and like, it just works, and they mesh, and they just got married, and it's so cute. Not important to the case, but the point is, it's not creepy. Context matters. But Babis and Carolyn's relationship is creepy. She was 13 when they met. To me, it just feels like he was waiting for her to reach that age of consent so he could date her. She's She was a teenager, 15-year-olds. Please, if you're 15 and listening to this, I know it might seem cool, but please don't date people that are that much older than you. The life experience is so different and just, I, like, I'm not the same person now as I was when I was 15. Oh my god. I, the idea of dating someone 12 years older than me now seems terrifying, let alone when I was an actual teenager. No, 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 no. I, I, I can't with this relationship. It really does seem like grooming to me because he's a 25-year-old, good-looking guy training to be a pilot, and he meets a 13-year-old and is so attracted to her that he waited for the moment she turned 15 so he could date her. And, okay, to be fair, I don't know if he actually waited for the moment she turned 15, but that's really the vibe that I get from this situation. And I'm certain that there were plenty of women his age, my age, that would have been into an attractive guy getting his pilot's license. But he chose a teenager. And I so many red flags. And to make matters worse, the couple got married in 2018 when Carolyn was just 17 years old. You can find pictures of their wedding on the internet. And they, to be fair, they do seem to be genuinely happy in those photos. And, you know, maybe at that time they were. But the happiness certainly did not last long. I don't know exactly when the troubles in the relationship started, but we do know that they started before Carolyn got pregnant sometime in the latter half of 2019. During the investigation, police found Carolyn's diary, 
the entries of which are meant to be kept secret as they could sway the trial, and that has yet to start at the time of recording. However, some of the entries were leaked, and they reveal that Carolyn wanted to leave Babis before she got pregnant, but then when she got pregnant, she decided to stay because she didn't want her child to grow up without both of her parents. Her entries described the possessive, controlling, and physically abusive side of her husband, whom she called Babby. In December 2019, Carolyn wrote, quote, I fought with Babby again. This time it was serious. I hit him, I cursed at him, and he broke down the door. All I wanted was for him to ask how I am when I woke up. I woke up so weak and tired. I am thinking of leaving. I am thinking of going to my sister. I don't know if I can keep going with Babby. I love him so much that I can't leave him even though this relationship hurts me. At this point, she would have been around three months pregnant, and knowing that he busted down a door because she was upset about not being asked how she feels makes me retroactively nervous for her. And even if you make the argument of, well, she hit him, okay, obviously she shouldn't have been doing that, but knowing what we know now, how it all ends... That's just not a good enough argument, especially if he's breaking down the door to get to his pregnant wife out of anger and not out of any sort of urgency for her health, because he clearly doesn't care if he's not asking. And in July 2020, she wrote, quote, Today my little one turned a month old, and today is the day that I said to Babis that I want to leave the house. As soon as he left to take a document that had sent us for a test for the little one, I began looking for houses. I found exactly what I've been looking for in Holandry which is a suburb in northern Athens. When he returned from the hospital, I told him. He asked me if I wanted to split up, unquote. Those are the only diary entries at this time, but the couple's marriage counselor has come forward by way of a lawyer and revealed that Carolyn was looking for an apartment in another part of Athens so she could leave Babis, which is now confirmed by her diary entries. And the marriage counselor said that she had planned to leave before November so she could live closer to that culinary school that she was hoping to attend. The couple had seen the counselor together, but Carolyn had asked Babis to leave the room on at least one occasion to our knowledge. She told the counselor that she was very afraid of her husband, and the counselor had to assure Carolyn that the door to the room was closed properly and that there was no way Babis could hear what she was saying from the lobby. And I think it's really indicative of how scared she was and really highlights the abuse she was suffering by her husband's hand, that she had to be assured that he couldn't hear because if he heard, he would be upset and, you know, that would probably be the end for her, you know? And he wasn't above threatening people other than his wife as well. According to the counselor, Babis once accosted her outside the office in a situation where he knew she would be alone. But the counselor was also afraid of Babis based on what Carolyn had told her, so she made sure she wasn't going anywhere alone. So Babis thought that the counselor was going to be alone leaving, but because the counselor knew about him and was afraid, she made sure that she wasn't, which is very smart. Good on that counselor. When Babis accosted the counselor, he quote-unquote indirectly blackmailed her, but no other details of that whole situation were given. And I'm really curious. I want to know how indirectly blackmailing someone works, what he said, what he wanted. Well, we know what he wanted, but what he said to her, how he threatened her. I'm very curious to know. I, I have a feeling we might learn later after the trial, but at this point we have no idea. So they clearly had many problems in their relationship and Carolyn revealed to her counselor that she and Babis were rarely affectionate with each other and 
there was virtually no sexual relationship, especially in the run up to the murder. And I find this very fascinating because, well, on the one hand, it makes sense, but on the other hand, it doesn't. In such a controlling and abusive relationship, I'm surprised that Babis wasn't, I suppose, more demanding of having a sexual relationship with Carolyn. I don't know. I find it just... It just seems very strange. I don't, Not that I don't believe her. I do believe her, obviously. But that was a detail that honestly surprised me. The counsellor had advised Carolyn to talk to her mother about the problems in the marriage and to consider a separation, but Carolyn told her that she didn't want to talk to her mother because she didn't want to disappoint her. And I don't know how traditional a person she is, so this is just pure speculation on my part, but this stuck out to me when I read it. If you remember, Carolyn's mother is Filipino, and I was curious if there could be any sort of cultural context behind this, behind her not wanting to have a failing marriage, getting married so young, being afraid to talk to her mother about problems in the marriage. So I asked a friend of mine who's from the Philippines if divorce or separation is a taboo topic in the Philippines. She told me that it's not taboo per se. You can talk about it openly with just about anyone pretty freely, but a lot of people are still very much against divorce in the Philippines, especially the older generation, who are very heavily Catholic. And according to my friend, in Filipino culture, the image of a traditional family is something that's really important to people, and people will stay in horrible relationships so they can keep their families together and their children can grow up with both parents. In fact, shockingly, divorce still isn't legal in the Philippines. And it is the only country in the world other than Vatican City where divorce is still illegal. Let that sink in for a second, because I don't imagine there's a whole lot of marriage going on in Vatican City. So the Philippines is essentially the only properly functioning country where divorce is illegal. That's insane to me. I had no idea. People can separate from their spouses, but when you're married, you're married. Like, you can be apart, physically apart from your spouse, but you're still legally married. You can't remarry. The only exception is if your spouse dies, and that just seems very dangerous to me. That's too much motivation for murder, in my opinion. A lot of younger people in the Philippines support the legalization of divorce in their country, but it has yet to happen. And when you think back to what Carolyn wrote in her diary, how she didn't want her daughter to grow up without both of her parents... It makes sense to me that maybe her mother could hold on to some of those more traditional beliefs and pass them on to Carolyn. And that's why Carolyn would feel like her mother would be disappointed in her for having problems in her marriage and wanting to separate. Again, this is just speculation on my part, but I do think it makes a great deal of sense. Also, divorce needs to be legalized in the Philippines because that's just ridiculous. I also asked my Filipino friend and my Greek friend if marrying at 17 is at all common in either country, and they both said no, it's not common. So that's a very unique situation, but the rest of it um, does to me sound a lot like Filipino culture and, and, and some of the beliefs and stuff that they have, so would make sense. Anyway, all this brings us back to the night of May 11th. So let's go through the real story of that night, shall we? Sometime in the evening, the couple had argued, which was a common activity in their household by that time. But this was the biggest one yet because Carolyn told Babis that she was leaving him. Late into the evening, around midnight, the two were arguing over text in different parts of the house, possibly 
so that they weren't yelling at each other around Lydia, who was still awake. Babas can be seen on home security footage on the couch cradling his baby daughter around midnight, deeply engrossed in his phone, presumably carrying on the argument with Caroline, who had just informed him of her intention of moving out of the house and leaving him. It's unclear when she went to sleep, but she did, and around 1am, Babas disconnected the security cameras inside and outside the home. Presumably, he spent the next three hours hatching his plan to cover up what he was about to do because, as we know from her smartwatch, Carolyn wasn't suffocated until after 4am, when Babas went into their bedroom with Lydia, laid down next to his wife, stared at her for a few minutes, before pressing the front of her face down into the pillow and holding it there for six minutes until she died while their baby watched. Babas then went on to properly stage the scene, which included drowning the seven-month-old husky, Roxy, before hanging her by her own leash on the fence, moving Carolyn's body and placing the baby on it, and finally tying himself up and putting himself in another room before calling the neighbor. Also, that there was never any money that was all made up. And honestly, this this short little paragraph is so hard to read, the coldness, the just, he, how? how? Like, I, I can't even speak properly because it's just so horrifying how little humanity, how little emotion, care this man has to kill his wife, to kill their dog, to place his baby daughter on his wife's body to make the whole thing more believable. I can't wrap my brain around it. I can't wrap my brain around how someone could be so callous. Fuck this guy. Babas spent the next five weeks acting his ass off, playing the grieving husband part very convincingly. Honestly, I was fooled. I, I heard about this story when it happened. I was fooled. The man could win an Oscar for his performance. He publicly cried for his dead wife. He was constantly holding baby Lydia, who watched her mother die, who watched her father kill her mother and then had her own father place her on her mother's dead body, lest we forget that very important detail. Babas also embraced his mother-in-law at Carolyn's funeral, and he was very cooperative with police. And This isn't important for the, the murder or the investigation, but it's just, just another example of how much of a fucking dickbag this man is. For Carolyn's funeral, Babas asked her parents to pay 4,000 euro for the coffin, which they did, and Babas didn't contribute a penny. The nerve of this fucking man. Imagine killing your spouse and then making their parents pay for the coffin while you don't pay a dime. He just fills me with red hot rage. I, oh, this man, I, oof. Babas had no clue that the police were onto him and that they were examining the data from both of their smartwatches and pairing it with the home security footage. Police brought Babas into the station, telling him that they'd had a breakthrough in the investigation and that they needed him to identify a potential suspect, only for them to confront Babas with all of the evidence that they had against him. After that, it did not take long for him to crack, and on June 17th, 2021, actually two months ago, almost to the day that I'm recording this, just eight hours after being called into the police station, Babas confessed to the murder of his wife. 
In his initial confession, he said, quote, That night, we had begun arguing from early on. At some point, she threw the child on her cot and told me to get up and leave the house. She pushed me and punched me. My judgment became blurred. I strangled her, and then I staged the robbery. But we know from the data on her smartwatch and the security camera footage that this isn't true at all. There's no way. He even lied about the way he killed her. He was trying to make it seem like it was a crime of passion and that it happened in the heat of the moment that she had low-key mistreated the baby, even though she the baby had no wounds on her at all. So the throw in the cot comment, I think, is just a way to make it seem like she was a bad mother, maybe she was abusive towards Lydia. There's absolutely no evidence of that whatsoever. He's just trying to assassinate her character, basically, even even though he already fucking killed her. And I will never believe what he's saying. Like, that's not fucking true. Not only did this man murder his wife in front of their baby, not only did he drown and hang their dog, not only did he stage the whole scene, not only did he make her parents pay for the coffin, not only did he lie to the world about what happened, but he even tried to make her out to be the bad guy in the story where he committed murder. Trying to make it seem like she at all tried to harm the baby is just appalling to me. The baby was examined after the police arrived and found to be completely uninjured. She was totally physically fine. So if she had thrown Lydia into the cot, as Babis claims, she wasn't hurt. Okay? Just, oh man, I can't, I, I'm so fucking enraged. Babis later changed his story to the one that I've already laid out for you, the one that matches the digital timeline and the physical evidence. But the fact that he tried to disparage her after he murdered her is so beyond disgusting. Everything about this man is beyond disgusting. This whole situation screams, if I can't have you, nobody can to me. And you know what? Police said that on his first night in prison, he ate a hearty meal and he slept like a fucking baby. He is so unbothered by what he did. Babis has been charged with filing a false police report, animal abuse, and premeditated murder, and he's currently awaiting trial where he faces life in prison, which I hope he fucking gets. He is the scum of the earth, and I hope he rots. As for Lydia, there's currently a custody battle over who should take care of her. Both Babis's and Carolyn's parents want primary custody, and there are hearings scheduled to determine who she should live with or if she should become a ward of the state. In my opinion, she should stay with Carolyn's parents. I know that Babis's parents had absolutely nothing to do with the murder. They are separate from their son's horrendous crimes, but to me... It just seems messed up for them to raise Lydia. Imagine being raised by the parents of the person that murdered your mother in front of you. I've seen it argued that Carolyn's parents shouldn't raise Lydia because they let their 17-year-old daughter marry a 29-year-old man, but I mean, come on. I don't think that's a fair comparison. And really, Carolyn was more than old enough to consent under Greek law. So what could they have done if she wanted it? They, they couldn't really have done anything. If she wanted to do it, she was always going to do it. They did not have to give their permission for her to marry Babis. I think that 
This whole situation is so shitty. Obviously, it would be the best possible thing for Carolyn to be the person raising Lydia. But that's not an option anymore. And I think at this point, the best option would be for her to be raised by Carolyn's parents. Because, I mean, I feel like ward of the state, obviously no one would want something like that. So Carolyn's parents, I think, are by far the best option. Even if it's not the perfect one. Anyway, that's the end of the story as we know it now. I definitely plan on doing like a short little bonus episode after the trial to give updates. But for right now, this is where we are. Um, two of my friends were kind enough to give me some cultural insights that helped me put together this case. So I want to say a big thank you to my friend Alexandra from Greece and my friend Francis from the Philippines. And as promised, anyone who helps me gets to have a small business of their choosing be promoted on the show. So Alex wanted me to tell you about a small business in Greece called Dodecanese Beekeeping, which makes honey and other honey products such as sweets and even cosmetics. And they are dedicated to making high quality and healthy products while taking good care of their bees and their employees, making sure every part of the process of production is done as sustainably and safely as possible. They ship their products all over the world, and I will put a link to their website in the show notes if you want to check them out. Francis, instead of promoting a business, wants me to tell you about the bill currently being considered in the Philippines that will finally legalize divorce. And it's looking promising, which is awesome. But if any of my Filipino listeners support the bill, then this is your reminder to remind your representatives to vote in favor of it so divorce can finally be legal in the Philippines. Thank you both so much again. I really appreciate all of your help. And it was so much fun to get to ask you about your countries. I really loved it. And if any of you, the listeners, want to help me with the case, get a shout out and have your favorite small business promoted on the podcast, please join the Facebook group where you can find the list of countries that I will be covering in this season. And if your country slash culture is on there, shoot me a message and I will talk to you when I work on that script. So, okay. Um, last things... Social media, social media, that's a thing. You can follow on Instagram at TrueCrimeINTL. I will post pictures from this case. You can also join the Facebook group. Like I already said, it's just True Crime International. You can find it really easily. Um, if you listen to this podcast on Apple, please leave a five-star review. It helps so much for visibility and helping people find the podcast. And last but not least, there is a Patreon. There are three levels where you can get a bonus episode, fun layovers, and uh, an extra like news episode every month. And it's pretty cool. And it's pretty fun over there. So uh, thank you again so much for listening. I hope you learned something new. And I hope you enjoyed your stay here at True Crime International. Bye!